Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey everyone, Matt here. No need to be alarmed. Just a quick technical announcement. Uh, for the first few minutes of this episode, you may ask yourself, Matt, Why do you sound muffled, like you're behind a gigantic pillow fort? Well, that's a good question, and unfortunately, I can't answer it. I did try to fix the problem, but I couldn't make it sound any better as I got my degree in musical theater, not audio production. So all I can tell you is that around that six-minute mark, the pillow fort will be destroyed, and my normal voice will be clear. So just bear with it and enjoy the second episode of Broadway Breakdown. Hi. Hello. Hi, everybody. This is John Wascavage. And this is Matt Koplick. And we're... <laughs> oh, God, I thought you were going to do it with me. Fuck. Okay. No, One, let's do two, it. three. Broadway, Broadway Breakdown. Down. Oh, my now God. That was so not synced at all. Oh, dear God. All. Um, hey guys, so this is our second episode. What a treat it was to be able to, as a narcissist, go back and listen to our first episode last week. What do you think about that, Matt? Oh, I didn't realize I said like as often as I did, or exactly, you know as often as I did. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, so one of the first things I wanted to do today, and um, if we could please cue in some really dramatic, sad music um, at this moment. Um... I would just like to take this time to personally apologize for my use of the word like and how many times I said like and to promise that from now on I will not say like as many times as I did in that first episode. Um, I would also like to take this moment to talk about Squarespace. No, I, I would also like to take a oh moment to talk about my use of the word disconcerting which is not a word. It's disconcerting. I literally heard me say that, and I was like, oh my god. Oh my god, I just said the wrong word. Honestly, kids, just, I guess my, what I'm really trying to say here is, do not study theater. Study, study something real. Study something that's going to teach you that disconcerting is not a real word. So, okay, cut out sad music. Yeah, no, it was so cool to to go and listen to that first episode and to be like, oh, not going to do that. Oh, that's fun. Um, so thank you for everyone who listened. Um, a lot of people were sending me like Snapchats of 
them listening to us in their car while they were driving. And I was thinking, hey, that's really cool. And once again, like, you know, we're, we're just two gals with a dream here. And so bear with us as we, as we in these first few episodes do get our groundings and as we shake the likes out of our system. Yeah, I promise, I promise we'll, I promise we'll be more interesting. Nope. We're, we are interesting. We just got to get <laughs> reined in. A side note, yeah. uh, social experiment today. I am timing us on each segment to see just how much we can cram into a designated amount of time. But we shall see. Anyway, let's and move along. And to tie back to, into uh, last let's... week with cramming in to see how much we can cram in. People liked the Sondheim glory hole. so They liked the Sondheim gr- glory hole. They like Sondheim cramming in side of both of us all the time, <gasps> every day. We, well, we, we, how we, is it? We signed a contract not to talk about that, so... I didn't, I didn't get to sign a contract. I just simply escaped. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a SAG waiver. Like, it's like an equity, like, showcase waiver contract, so... The developmental lab. You, uh... It's experiment. a developmental lab. You don't, get, you don't get 1% of the proceedings, but you do get... You get a flat rate. Shame. Yeah, you get, you get 100% a flat rate shame. up front. 100% shame. Um, so, uh, I would like to quickly point out... John, what are you reading these days? I am reading Harry Potter at the ripe young age of 29. Um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't allowed to read it as a kid because my church literally thought it was the devil. Like we would have sermons about how witchcraft was overtaking the world, which, you know, is another reason why I'm in therapy. But um, <laughs> So I wasn't allowed to read as a kid. Like, we were literally, like, told, like, if there were two things that were super taboo when I was a kid, it was the Spice Girls and it was Harry Potter. So now you better believe that as I am an adult gay male, I wake up every morning to wannabe spice up your life, spice off your life, spice up your life. And then I open up that Harry, I've been opening up that Harry Potter. And let me tell you what a joy it is. I see why it's become a phenomenon. Just you wait, Queen. Like... The first three books are great, but, like, the fourth one is when shit gets real. It is... Oh, God, Mm. it is just too good. It is is interesting going on and reading these books for the first time now after, like, the whole, like... It it wasn't even until, like, the seventh book or... It was even afterwards that J.K. Rowling came out and said that Dumbledore was gay. And and so it is interesting now going and reading this book for the first time and reading lines like, Dumbledore had a twinkle in his eye or, like, an extra special laugh or, like, he blushed at this moment. And I was like, ooh... She's a queen. She was always a queen. But I'm so excited. On that, so for June. On that note, John, on that note, oh. my timer has gone off. Oh, oh. We, 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 talking about Dumbledore's homosexuality, I mean, that I could go on for ages and ages. And I must say, wait till you get to book seven, because that's when you're like, whoo. I just can't wait for she's Jude a, Law to play uh, Dumbledore in the next series of the movies, because honestly, like, oh, hello. Hello. Oh, my um, God. It's like going to be the talented Mr. Ripley, but even more violent. Can't yes, wait. Yes, thank God. Cannot wait. All right. <laughs> so, let's, so now... On to business. On to things that have to do with theater. Theater. Well, actually, it's a good transition because my week in review, uh, last night I went to see the National Theater broadcast of Angels in America. One of my favorite comedies, honestly. And such a sensible 90 minutes, too. I mean, like, get in and out. You know what I mean? In and out. Door slam and farce. So good. So many doors. Um, I mean, well, actually, it is a very funny play. 
Uh, that's oh, one it of the, is, without yeah, a Yeah, that's one of the things that actually I had an issue with with this production. So, uh, so um, let me do a quick, quick review of uh, Angels in America. For those of you who don't know, because believe it or not, we will talk about plays on this podcast from time mm-hmm, to time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, Angels in America is the multi-Tony winning, Pulitzer Prize winning, every award winning play by Tony Kushner. It's two parts. Part one is Millennium Approaches. Part two is Perestroika. Uh, they both premiered on Broadway about nine months apart and then were played in rep. So they each won the Best Play Tony Award. There is debate over which is the better play, whether you should do both, whether just one or the other. It was commissioned uh, by Oscar Eustace and the Eureka Theater Company, which is a, which was a nonprofit company in San Francisco. They were very upset because they wanted the regional rights to The Normal Heart, which was the first like mainstream play to deal with the AIDS crisis. Mm. And they didn't get it. I think they lost it to Berkeley Rep. And they literally said to Tony Kushner, write us an AIDS play. And so, yeah, like, of course, I'll do that for you. And Tony Kushner uh, wrote it. He It took him, like, seven years to write Millennium Approaches. He just kept on well, blowing past deadlines. It makes sense that it took uh, seven years to write because it takes seven years to watch. And I'm not, I'm, I'm really I not, mean, I'm not yeah, saying that's but, a bad thing. It's just what it is. But it also, like, it technically wrote him only ten days, uh, took him ten days to write this, the first draft of Perestroika, but, and the first draft was 700 pages, and now oh. it's probably a sensible 400 pages. Oh my but, goodness, I didn't know that. No, it's, it's, it's crazy, but like, it, it blew up there, but the Eureka was such a small theater company, they couldn't handle the demands of the show, because it's a big show. It's mm-hmm. a lot of flying, a lot of sets. It's not a huge cast, but it requires a lot of the cast, and and then it went to uh, the National Theater in London, and then it went to the Mark Taper, went back to the National, uh, and then it came to Broadway Ooh. in 93, blew up, uh, young Marcia Gay Harden was in the cast, and uh, Joe Mantello, before he was Tony-winning director Joe Mantello, was Lewis. Right. And yeah, it's, it is a brilliant, brilliant play. Both of them are brilliant plays, but I, part one is probably a little better structured. Part two is mm-hmm. a little messier, but I also find part two to have a bit more emotional thrill to it. I, I'm ne- I never I get, agree. Yeah, I never yeah. get, like, profoundly moved during part one. Because part one, and Tony Kushner basically has said this, that it's all set up for Perestroika. Like, the reason why it became a two-parter was because he was trying to write and get all the characters to change by the end of the play. And it just wasn't happening fast enough mm-hmm. to his liking. So part one is basically getting everything in motion for the chaos of part two, which I love. Um, yeah. So first of all, what was your introduction to Angels in America? I believe the first time I read it was in college, and then I um, really—I've uh, actually never seen it performed live, which is I, I have—I really want to. But then I, I watched the HBO miniseries with it. With I mean, just a bunch of hack actors. That yeah, no, I've never heard of any of them. Called Meryl Streep. I mean, it's it was it's no. I mean, I I, I loved that. Um, but I think I would have a different opinion if I if I had seen it on stage ever. But yeah, yeah I've the movie was actually yeah the movie was my first introduction to it too. I saw it when it aired on HBO because I have very progressive parents who let me read Harry Potter and watch angels in america at the age of 13 but um i didn't i got the play i eventually got the full play after the movie movie came out and then i saw it Mm -hmm. at the signature where it had christian borrell and uh what's his name zachary quinto quinto zachary quinto zachary quinto Zachary Quinto. i never know it's pronounced so many different ways on like all the interviews so i never knew point aside 
I eventually found on YouTube, someone posted like 40 minutes of clips for reviewers reel of the original Broadway production of Angels in America, which oh. if, you, if you haven't seen it, yeah, go online, just look up like Angels in America Broadway or 1993, whatever. But it's you'd be surprised at just how funny it is because the miniseries for all of its wonderfulness is a very somber take on the piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin very Kirk, who somber. plays, yeah, Justin Kirk, who plays Pryor, love him, is a very kind of composed. Uh, and Justin Kirk is a heterosexual man, so he does mm-hmm. play, he doesn't play up the campiness of the role that I didn't realize was there until I watched Steven Spinella in mm. just you know in what is essentially maybe fifteen minutes of his entire seven hour performance. But you right. get the idea of this grandeur, this theatricality in Pryor. These hills. You keep alluding to. Valium. I take Valium. Lots of Valium. And you're dancing as fast as you can. I'm not addicted. I don't believe in addiction. And I never, well, I never drink and I never take drugs. Well, smell you, Nancy Drew. Except Valium. Except Valium in wee fistfuls. It's terrible. Mormons are not supposed to be addicted to anything. I'm a Mormon. I'm a homosexual. Oh. In my church, we don't believe in homosexuals. In my church, we don't believe in Mormons. <laughs> These pills you keep alluding to. Valium. I take Valium. Lots of Valium. And you're dancing as fast as you can. I'm not addicted. I don't believe in addiction. And I never... Well, I... Never drink, and I never take drugs. Well, smell you, Nancy Drew. Except Valium. Except Valium and wee fistfuls. It's terrible. Mormons are not supposed to be addicted to anything. I'm a Mormon. I'm a homosexual. Oh. In my church, we don't believe in homosexuals. In my church, we don't believe in Mormons. It isn't uh, campiness, but it's not not campiness. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's so interesting that I mean, just to draw a comparison in to Justin Kirk, a heterosexual male playing one of the most, I'd say, I mean, in, in modern drama, a complex gay character. Um, we have yeah. Andrew Garfield in the another straight man, although he is quote unquote gay minus the actual act, which like queen, 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 you do not get to own that. Love you. Love all about you. I hate Mondays too, Andrew Garfield. But no. <laughs> oh my God. No. That Corson reference. No. I that I think was just he tried to make a joke and it was stupid. But I think so too. Yeah, but it's like, actually funny. The joke to the homosexuals, that, Andrew Garfield. Like, come I'm, on. But I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something that that I noticed as I was watching it was Andrew Garfield he's not wrong in his interpretation. Like it's the right approach he's doing. He's trying to go more in the Steven Spinella mold of flamboyant theatricality, mm-hmm. but it, he a starts off too big and mm. starts off too angry. Like it's, he, there, it's very broad strokes. I found with Andrew Garfield. It's he got, he actually got better as the, as the play goes on and prior Walter, who we, in his very first scene, we were introduced, he has AIDS. Mm-hmm. As, as the sickness sort of overcomes him, that's when Andrew Garfield gets actually a lot better. But mm. yeah, and I, watch, and I just watched a, a five-minute clip of a scene from Angels in America at the National, from when the National Theater did like a big uh, presentation of all the shows they've done in the last like 50 years in their, or whatever it was in their, in their anniversary 
concert, and it was Dominic Cooper and uh, I forget his name. Oh, from History Boys. Yeah, and then the guy who played Moriarty in Sherlock. What's it's like Adam something. Uh, oh, oh, oh! Wait, was he also in um, one of the James Bond movies? Maybe he, he was actually gay. Yeah, he is actually gay. And what's funny is that oh, I watched their clip, and this guy played prior, and it's this park bench scene where they talk about little Sheba, and he announces mm-hmm. he has AIDS. And you know, he does he does go a little big from time to time in the way that the Brits kind of really love their overpowering emotions. But even from the get go, I was like, oh, like no, this guy gets it. And I wanted I checked him out because I was like, I want to know if like is he gay or straight. And he is gay. He is gay. And it's Pryor is one of those weird roles where it doesn't have to be played by a gay man, but you can almost always tell when a straight man is playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's there's a there, you can't really channel that kind of role unless you are gay because there is a lot going on there. There is a proud flamboyancy to him that isn't a cartoon. And you have to find that right line and you have to kind of know people or be that kind of person and be in that world to really inhabit it. And Andrew Garfield definitely tries, but I don't think he succeeded overall. I honestly don't think a lot of the production uh, in that this broadcast did succeeded overall. Surprisingly, you want to know who came off best was Nathan Lane. And I didn't think he would. Really? That's so interesting because a few people have said that. And I remember when I first heard that casting choice, I mean, I literally, like, my head spun around three times, and I was like, <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, not that I would never, I would never call Nathan Lane a, 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 an actor who is not capable of doing things. It's just, I just, I, I never, I never would have pictured him in that role in a million years, and people say he is outstanding, and I'm here for it. I'm there. Like, I, I, I can't wait to see it. You want to know what it is, though? It's like, uh, I feel like we, as audience members, now expect all of our musical theater actors and Broadway act- stage actors, stage actors in general, we expect them to be chameleons and just super versatile and be able to do everything. Yeah. And there are some actors who are versatile, but not in terms of changing their voice and their appearance. They can sort of bring themselves to every role and it works. Mm. And... I think the the film actress who I thought was sort of the master of that of the 90s was Julia Roberts, who, like, can't really play anything but herself, but was sort of able for a while, who, not really who, anymore, but for a while, was able to that? kind of... Tra- Julia Roberts, this little unknown indie actress. She, uh, in the, I just feel like a lot of the 90s, a lot of her movies, she's sort of always playing herself, but it's different shades of herself. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to bring a lot of who she was to many different kinds of roles and different kinds of movies and nathan lane is actually really good at doing that as well mm. and so he doesn't go for a roy Cohn imitation he ba- he doesn't really change his voice that much but it i don't know it's the searing specificity that he has that's actually really good alliteration i was gonna the say what searing... a great what a great you should write a review that's just those two words nathan lane <laughs> and is... angels in america searing specificity i <laughs> period i think i've got a career ahead of me here Searing you do. specificity. That's maybe that should be the name of this podcast. Searing specificity. Um, I don't think anyone would call anything we've done so far specific. So, <laughs> how very dare you? We we are very specific with our Sondheim anal jokes. I think that that just you know, we're very goes, yeah, we're very neat. Like right, like Sondheim, we go for the jugular. No, he goes for the prostate. But... <laughs> you can go for both. 
Okay, back to Angels in America. It, it's all one and the same, really. And we only got yeah. five and a half minutes left. But um, the director of it was uh, Marianne Elliott, who most people would remember. She directed Curious Incident. She co-directed War Horse. Mm-hmm. She's actually about to direct uh, a production of Company that uh, we'll get to in a second. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a, it is a very big production. It's at the Littleton stage at the National. Littleton is a stage that does both big epic dramas and uh, pretty large-scale musicals. And it's a great theater because... It's actually very intimate. It's only like 700 seats, which to give you Broadway people a frame of reference, think of like the Walter Curve where Angels in America originated. That has 950 seats. So the Littleton is 250 mm-hmm. less than that. It actually has fewer seats than the Golden Theater, which is one of the smaller ones on Broadway. But it has a really wide stage. So even at like the furthest back, you're like 10 rows away from the stage. And, par- and I would say the grandeur of the stage is great in some ways because Angels in America is an epic and it has a lot of theatrical spectacle to it, but it is not, it's not a war horse and it's not a coast of utopia where you have like 90 people on stage. Although weirdly this production did have like kind of an ensemble. Eh. Oh yeah. Like people, like people playing extras and then they, they, they dress up in black and they lift up the angel, which I was very, upset about because the whole point at the end of millennium approaches is that she literally crashes through the ceiling and she didn't do it she like rose from the floor and i was like bitch Mm. she crashes through the mother fucking ceiling give a bitch Mm. her due um Mm. yeah and they like had this big moment where they took the entire set towards the end of the show and they moved it to the back of the stage so there was this big open playing field and it was really cool to look at and i was like trying to think about what marianne elliott was going for and I think she was literally trying to show history cracking wide open, but I was sitting there going, I don't know, Marianne Elliott and your, your two Tony Awards, it seems a little on the nose, but mm. uh, I'll let her have it. I think it, when it, it's supposed to transfer here sometime next year, and I'm sure it'll go into mm-hmm. a smaller theater. We don't have any theaters like the Littleton here, so I'm sure it'll be on a smaller stage, and I think that'll help. Mm. Um, yeah, but one of the things that this production also did was it they sort of had an in-between of the original Broadway and the movie where it took itself very seriously, but they did allow for some camp. And Okay. But it, it felt a little almost at odds. Um, uh, James Lapine, who wrote Into the Woods and Sunday at the Park with George and directed those productions too, he said to his company when they were doing Into the Woods for the first time, in Act 1, they have to find the drama in the humor, and in Act 2, they have to find the humor in the drama. And I think mm. that's such a great note, because you never want to camp up the laughs. You never want to make it seem like you're expecting it. The point of laughter in theater yeah. is, like, the comedy has to seem real to the characters, obviously. But you also don't want to get too morbid, because then you're going to close your audience off, because then it just becomes theatrical robitussin. Like, it's good for you, but no one wants to watch it. Are you a... Uh... A homosexual. Oh, is it that obvious? <laughs> yes, I am. What's it to you? Would you say you were a typical homosexual? Me? Oh, I'm stereotypical. What? You mean, like, am I a hairdresser? Are you a hairdresser? Well, it would be your lucky day if I was. <laughs> I'm sick. 
I'm sick. It's expensive. Oh, shit. Now I won't be able to stop. Now it's starting. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I mean, so, you said you've never seen a theatrical production of Angels, but you've only seen the movie. Uh, looking back, yeah. do you sort of see what I'm getting at, though, about it sort of being kind of somber? I do. I definitely, I definitely remember watching the movie and thinking like, oh, this is, this is, um, this is emotional. Like it's, it, 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 and so much so that like everything from like the color scheme to, uh, to the, to the delivery of the, of the moments was very somber and very serious. And I think, I think an important part of being a gay person is, uh, is, our ability to find the joy in tragedy. And I, I think that's so prevalent in Angels in America. Um, and so I, I um, yeah, I, I, I really want to see, of course I want to see this production. I'm very excited for when it comes to New York. I will say, I will say my one connection to this production is that when I was in London in May, um, after we saw an immersive production of Alice in Wonderland, some friends and I, uh, the director of that production took us to the national or the bar at the National Theater, and we walked in. and Sitting at a table was the whole cast of Angels in America, Sands, Nathan Lane, and literally, I spent most of that time using the secret, like the, literally, like the idea of the secret to will Andrew Garfield and Russell Toby, Toby, whatever. Toby, I think is, it is to kiss. Oh, like I was just like, just get drunk enough so that you. Guys oh my kiss. god! Please, that was like I just I just want that to happen. I mean, like, come you, on, Andrew, you're 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 gay enough, apparently. Gay enough, so and I, kissing's yeah. not quite sex. But have you ever? Do you ever yeah. go on Russell Tovey's Instagram? It's just like him and his dog, and it it gets me pregnant every time. I was gonna say, if if your question is, do I ever go on that Instagram? Um, I, I guess my answer would have to be like, I'm on it literally right now. <laughs> like, I, I I just I spend I spend most of my waking free moments scrolling through and just clicking like re-clicking like on the photos of his beautiful dog and his beautiful face and just being like why can't I have you it it borders on obsessive but I think it also borders on adorable like I think I'm quirky, being adorable. so cute and you're like I think if he ever I think if he ever met me and if he found out how obsessed I am with his like face he would he would definitely not call the cops he would definitely be like we should get married and yeah it's a it's a sleepless in seattle situation yeah. you are meg ryan with the overcoat once again here i am living my life as meg ryan and it's not the worst okay yeah. it's not the worst thing and you know i mean i've never seen sleepless in seattle though <gasps> i know put a dramatic sound cue right there Bum, bum, bum. Oh my god. No, I know. That's the other part of growing up in my like home life. I did I wasn't allowed to watch like a lot of movies too. So like a lot of times people are like, Oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And I'm like, No, I haven't. I need to like give you a Meg Ryan Winona Ryder like movie week. I like Winona Ryder. I as a as an adult I watched like Girl Interrupted. I know she's done more than that, but like that was good enough for me. Uh, actually, you know what? You know what? You would actually really like mermaids. I feel like you'd you connect mermaids? with that. Mer- we'll talk. It's Winona Ryder, Cher, and a super super young Christina Ricci. Oh, I know. I loved I know, her. In, I loved her in Casper. I was allowed to watch Casper as a kid, and I definitely had like 
I had like spring awakenings in my basement for that uh, Casper actress as a, or actor as a child. Actor. I was like, he was so beautiful. He was, he was so like. Just a moment of silence. <laughs> let's, take a, let's take a moment of silence for young actor Casper, who I'm pretty sure was like 14 when they made that. So it's a little weird to be lusting after him now. No, it's not. I still think of him as how I thought of him when I was like a seven-year-old. And I wanted to bang him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, like, John, no that's, how the, that's how the beginning of the book Lolita starts, is the main character is like, I was in love with a nine-year-old when I was nine, and I've been in love with nine-year-olds ever since. So oh, I had no that's idea me what... quoting the book, not me speaking my truth. I had no idea what Lolita was about, but... Lolita? Yeah. God damn it, woman. Lolita's a book about a pedophile. That's all you need to know. It's very <gasps> famous. Anywho, uh, so Angels in America, uh, Marianne Elliott directed it. She's about to direct a production of Company that's uh, become very controversial. And to lead yes. us into that is Mr. Jean. Yeah, so basically, they have now had uh, Sondheim's approval. Well, I guess he, they've gotten his approval a while ago, but now he's speaking more of it. That... Uh, in London, they will be reviving a production of Company where the character of Bobby will now be called Bobby. Bobby. Could you tell um, from my inflection how the spelling was different? How it went from B-O-B-B-Y to B-O-B-B-I-E? Could you do that? Was I a good enough actor to do that? I think cool. You did. Your, si- your silence speaks volumes. So anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, so basically they have decided they... They're changing the lyrics to a lot of the the songs. So instead of, um, have I got a girl for you? It's have I got a guy for you? And they will be performing company with a 35-year-old single female New Yorker. And like they've changed things. Like, so instead of the flight flight attainment, what the hell is an attainment? I'll show you. Um, A flight attendant (laughs) being named April. They've changed his name to Andy. And I honestly... I'm here for this. I have my popcorn out. I'm ready. I think it's um I think it's an amazing idea. I think the show the show has been shrouded in questions for years about whether or not Bobby is gay. Why is he single at this age? You know, like a lot of different things of like what is really going on here. And I think they've like flipped it on its head so many different times. And I think the idea of of flipping it on its gender and having a, a female take on the role, it's going to be really beautiful and really empowering because I, th- I think hopefully what will happen is that we will realize how, like once again, we will be able to study how similar genders are and how it's a construct and how we deal with these kind of issues the same way, we all don't want to be alone. We all, we all want to feel alive. That's the song, right? Feeling alive. That's that's feeling. The final. Yeah, feel, hi, feeling a hi, feeling hi, human, hi, something like that. Feeling alive. Feeling a, yeah. That the the yeah the finale of the show. Um, yeah, I I have high hopes for this production. Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea, and what's I'm not always one for gender bending. Uh, Okay. Not that I'm opposed. I'm not. I'm not opposed to the idea in general. I sometimes think that it's done for the sake of whatever. Um, 
the most recent revival of On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, I think, is an example of gender bending a role for the sake of gender bending, not because it actually adds anything to it. This, I think, is an interesting idea because part of the reason, part of the crux of company when it opened in 1970 was when you were a man and you were 35 and you weren't married, something was sort of perceived wrong with you or, you know, why are you evading marriage? And in the last 47 years, men can be bachelors much, much longer and later in Mm -hmm. life and not have anything really questioned about them. But it's not the same for women. But still... I think it's going to be super informative to the role because I think... I do think that sometimes as a society, we allow... Not that we allow, we... um, When you're a male actor, there's a certain amount of vulnerability, I almost feel sometimes, that people don't want to see. Maybe, am I wrong in that? Am I, 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 feel, I feel like, and maybe it's just because I'm a, I'm a gay man, and so whenever I play, like, a straight man, they, I, 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 I feel like people think that I'm too emotional. But I, I think that, I think that there's a depth to female vulnerability that men have trouble tapping into. Um, and so I, I, listen, Rosalie Craig, I know you're listening to this. I know your Bobby's going to be amazing. Um, break legs. I'll see you opening night. I, I can't wait. I, she has your vote of confidence, and that's all she needs. She does. Uh. She does. She's, she's been praying for it, and God answers prayers. So. Uh, you know, I think that's a good time as any to move on to our next segment. Do you? Yeah, I think that's great. Great. Uh, so something we want to kind of bring back around from last week is our infamous equity breakdown foot fetishist. Uh, John yes. has done a little more snooping lately. He's really kind of keeping into that serial element. Yes. And uh, what have you uncovered? Because I know nothing. I don't, I don't know what you've uncovered, so I'm excited to hear Yeah, so basically, I'm the Sarah Koenig of foot fetishism. Um, I'm here to bring you (laughs) one story every week about a foot fetishist who's posting breakdowns on actors' websites. So I went on one of my many um, really informative secret websites, uh, and this one specifically is called Audition Update. So I I spent a good amount of time because I could not find, you know, a lot of breakdowns for that are looking for for roles and for people who forgot what I'm what we're talking about. We began talking last week about a man who posts every few months on acting websites looking for male actors, quote unquote, uh, to audition for a project that the more you read about, the creepier it gets. And then slowly after years of being an actor and seeing these i've definitely put together that he is a foot fetishist and he is exploiting young actors to um to basically create foot fetish 
porn or for his own benefit to have these actors send him a picture of his feet or to come in to an audition room and bare their feet in kink-ish ways, I guess would be the best way to put. And not that I am at all saying that like people should not have their kinks or that I'm I'm not foot fetish shaming anyone. I am, however, wait, saying that it is. Wait, did you say foot fetish shaming? Yeah, foot fetish shaming. Yeah, I, 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 that's sorry, that's brilliant. Continue. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I pearls of wisdom dripped from my tongue. <laughs> so I, I, I do have a problem with this man doing this because I, I think as actors we are already required a lot from ourselves without having a foot fetishist trying to take advantage of us. So, I have done some research, and a lot of the ads expire on these websites um, after a certain amount of weeks, and so I could not, for the life of me, find any of these posts. However, I did, on Audition Update, find out his name. So basically, for also those who, of you who don't know what Audition Update is, it is a forum, an, an, an anonymous online forum for actors where they can go and post things about auditions where, like, I have a callback for this, or, like, they're looking for this, or, like, appointments tomorrow are for this, blah, 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 blah. Basically, it is where dreams go to die. But in this case, I found out some information. So, from what I can tell, no one has ever actually, like, filmed anything with him. So, so what someone posted, first off, we have a name for this man. This man, his name is Tony de Alessandro. And so there it is. That is this is our man. And so basically he is doing these paid test shoots in NYC. And it's true. Like normally in a lot of the auditions, it's like you will get paid to audition and like number one, your ear should perk up then and be like, What is that? So this person who on this anonymous online forum my my key into this person, my my uh, deep throat, if you will. His name is I am Batman, who posted this. Um, so he said that Tony De La, Tony D'Alessandro mails um, that this guy slash this company, quote unquote, is looking to film guys for film foot fetish porn. I've seen examples of what they're looking for and looking to create, and it's pretty intense. Uh, I.e. full nudity, bondage, foot feeding, which I have no idea what that is. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so then, of course, this I Am Batman person was like, if you're into that, go for it. But, like, be careful to what you're applying for or before sending any pictures to them. Because it's true. Like, if you send a picture to these people, they could technically use it. So I then went online to try to find anything about this person. And I, I was having a hard time finding anything until I stumbled upon his blog. And um, only two posts right now on the blog. One is of examples of his work um and the other is kind of a little like breakdown of of what he says that he's doing so according to tony's bio tony started taking photos in 2000 for men's magazine shooting male nudes and body shots so i'm guessing this men's magazine was like super tasteful you know something like the equity newsletter so, he is a writer and has an interest in photography since age six. He also shoots creative videos from time to time for his video reel. He freelances mainly and takes pictures as a hobby, blah, 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 born and raised in NYC, blah, 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 blah. He's always looking for models, blah, 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 blah. Um, it says that he's in the, uh, 
he is in the process of building a more professional website, but to feel free to look at any of his of his work. And so I did. And the first picture on his blog is of a picture of a man with his head being like held back by his hair as this man is untying a black dress shoe with his teeth. Um, so like it's, and as you scroll down, there are pictures of people holding like cherries in between their toes as like people are about to like eat them uh, what I didn't expect is that, is that there what, are... Is, would that be foot feeding then, I guess? The cherries? Oh, I guess. Oh, my God. You know, sometimes the most obvious thing is staring at you in the face and you just don't even see it and it's waving back at you. And that's just what happened with foot feeding. But then the thing that is intriguing me, which is what I want to, in my serial way, come back next week, is I want to find more about it because then at the bottom of the website, there are photos from what seems like a real production of a foot fetish, like on stage, like it's definitely in a black box. There are definitely those like black theater cubes and there's definitely stage lighting. Like they're sitting on those black theater cubes. So there were foot fetish, uh, there was a production. So join us next week when I look into Tony D'Alessandro's foot fetish production. <laughs> Guys, I, I don't know if anyone else finds this as interesting as I do, but honestly, I feel it, this half enrages me, half titillates me because I find it so hysterical. And it, I guess now it makes me hungry. Like, now that I know what foot feeding is, I'm like, yeah, no, I think yeah. I'm going to go for a See, strawberry. I mean, um, try it out on yourself first. Foot, foot <sighs> feed yourself before you <sighs> foot feed others. <sighs> Once again, I'm not stomping on anyone's kink. Like, please, like, if you are into that, be into it. We are not fetish shaming, but we're just just saying don't take advantage of other. Don't (laughs) trick people into your into your fetish. Be open and say this is what I like, and then sign a sign a developmental lab contract with you, and while they lock you in their basement. Do not trick some like little twink from Boco named like Sean. Into, I don't know why Sean's the I'll twink say like I don't know. Landon, something like that. Landon, that's it. Oh, it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, that's what honestly, Landon said after he worked with this I guy. Know. I know. I, I was trying to think. I was like, I don't want to objectify Landon anymore. But do not trick Landon into your foot fetish porn. So that is the moral. If that's That should be the title of, of this week's episode. Do not trick Landon into your foot fetish porn. So guys... Join us next week. I want to find out more. The more I'm uncovering about this, the more interesting I'm finding it. And if none of you find it interesting, fun. Yeah. No, then, you know, like, go honestly, listen to Seth Rudetsky. He doesn't talk about this. I support. Yeah. I, yeah. We're, I'm the Seth Rudetsky of foot fetish porn. No, honestly, thank you for listening and for, thank you even Matt for allowing me to delve deeper into this weird ass tangent. Listen, you let me unveil all of my like, ninth grade angels in america thoughts on you so thank you i do love i do love that you like offer up like actual information about angels in america and i'm like hey you guys i went on audition update i found my my reliable source is the screen name user i am batman (laughs) i found it i found shit on a blog but you want to know what's really what stupid is that like your thing is probably what's going to get us more listeners they're going to be like i want to know know more about the foot fetish guy What's that? Angels in America history? Get out of here. Here's the thing. 
I think it's just because I have a beautiful buttery voice. I have such a such a voice and a face for podcasts. How very that people dare are you. just people are just gonna hear this luscious voice and want to listen more. Whatever um, about the foot I, fetishes. I have okay. the legs I'm, for a podcast, so it's fine. I'm done. You do. You do have the legs. <laughs> and so, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this for this week. Great. Join it's, us next week. That's good. What if I? What if he? What if he murders me? How can he, he find you're in Canada? He, how can he find you? Listen, I I post a lot of things online. People can easily find me. <laughs> you do. You're really good about that. You know what we didn't have time for today, which I'm devastated what? about. Uh my favorite yet to be tested segment, Jukebox That Musical. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I overdid it. No, no. You know what, though? I think this is good. This gives me more time because I had I had a basic structure today for the musical, uh, for Brunettes, but I think I'm actually... I want to surprise you. I'm going to go super in-depth, and I'm going to come up with, like, intricate stories and characters and staging imagery for you, and then next week, I'm going to surprise our listeners and you with my production of Brunettes, the Michelle Branch-Vanessa Carlton mashup. Mm. The finale's God, already I'm... looking really good. It's going to be a mashup of You Set Me Free, Everywhere, All You Wanted, and Pretty Baby. Oh my gosh. I would... I cannot wait for that developmental lap. It's I cannot wait to not be cast in it. I cannot wait to hear about people not getting paid for it. You I can't what? wait. You'll be cast in it. You'll be cast at... It takes all, the whole thing takes place in Portland, so you'll be, you'll be cast as like the gay barista. The gay barista. Yeah. Oh my where, God. where the two... <laughs> lesbians meet to get their non-fat cappuccinos yes oh my god that that's it that's yeah and that's that's their meet cute and that's all as far as i have planned so far so join us next week when i find out where john exactly fits in brunette's the musical i can't wait i can't wait um cool so i that's all i had for today i'm sorry that i offered nothing um you offered Quite a few things. Uh, if anything, you taught me fetish shaming, which is my new favorite term. I'm going fetish to use shaming. it all the time. Yeah, honestly, I I think I let's let's add it to the lexicon. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for joining us for Broadway Breakdown. This has been our second and more successful episode, I think. Uh, thank you, John, for agreeing to record as early as eleven o'clock in the morning your time. It's yeah. very gracious of you. Honestly, I'm I'm. I'm the saint of musical theater. I'm the martyr. I'm the Joan of Arc of musical theater, but not at the public. No, I was about to say, you're not an Alex Timbers production. If anything, you're like a, I'm a Sam Gold production. You're a Trevor Nunn production. Oh, I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. We're we're both intellectual dry and a little kinky. Uh, So anyway, this has been another episode of Broadway Breakdown. Join us next week when we cover Brunette's The Musical, uh, some new segments, hopefully, and John goes further with the foot fetishist, and maybe we can add some more terms to the lexicon. Yes. Uh, Until next time, this has been Broadway Breakdown. Uh, Let's pick a diva to close us out today. Ooh, what diva do we want? I want um, Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Wait, Ellen Page. Ellen Page isn't that Elaine someone? Page. Elaine Page. Oh my god, I'm so wasted. No. Okay. What? I was like, no. Ellen Juno. Juno don't sing. All right, Elaine Page. Ellen okay, Page. we'll have Elaine Page oh. close us out today. I'm so dumb. Bye, everybody. I'm gonna remove your gay card. I know. I'm sorry. Bye. Bye. All right. 
Close us out, Elaine. I won. Ellen. Everybody's playing the game, but nobody's rules are the same. Nobody's on nobody's side. Better not to go and alone. Recognize the wrong on your own. Nobody's on nobody's side. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.